Creative Company is so delicious, and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me. And one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. Today I'm talking to my great friend Mike Bishop. I met him in 2014. We have been laughing and making music ever since. He's a fantastic bass player. He plays guitar and keys here and there on his recordings. And he's been in tons and tons of bands. You might have remembered Knots and Crosses. Currently he's on tour with Abraxas, doing the Santana tribute. And he does his Mike Bishop group, writing his own songs. And he's got a fantastic album called Ideals of Fire that you should check out. I love Mike, he's a lot of fun. <laughs> Mike, you're my boy, how are you? Good, how you doing? Pretty fantastic. Uh, That's great. It's so good to see you. You too. You look great in sunlight, look at that. <laughs> yeah, you've got a few lights on here. That looks great. I'm probably better off in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you could jump on. I just wanted to tell everybody about the great Mike I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Is it this mic or is it an... <laughs> I actually have quite a few mics in my life that are pretty... Yeah, there's a lot of mics around. Yeah. Pretty fabulous. But uh, a few of them are musicians, too, which is just amazing. And yeah. In fact, I even had a psychic tell me a bunch of years ago that there would be some important mics in my life. Really? Yeah, and, and wow. I think she mentioned it in a singular way, and I think she meant you. But wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that I just saw some of my notes from that call, and it was over 20 years ago. And wow. things are still happening that she sort of mentioned, and I was like, Oh, that's cool. How is this possible? These people are just pretty cool, but yeah, that's not who I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about us. I wanted to talk about our our musical everything that we have going on, and yeah, how. Did you fall in love with bass? Bass guitar. Uh, it's, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, when I was a kid, my brother, Dan, who you know, met. He's the, the one dancer. that caught, caught the speaker at the... Yeah, at Dan the, the dancer before, who caught the speaker. Before <laughs> it wiped out the first row of the audience. <laughs> so he, he had bought an organ, one of the old 60s organs and an amp. And he never really played it. So I started kind of messing around on that and um, I got into a band. I think I knew two songs out of the whole band set list. Because <laughs> he was already in a band? No, he never he never really played. He bought it, but he never really got into it, you know, so it Which was kind of later. What were you talking about? Well, I, I got into a band in oh. grammar school and I was nice. su supposedly the organ player, but uh, I only knew two songs. Uh, and um, so then, you know, I, I was playing with this drummer and we hung out. We were good friends. And uh, another good guy, guitarist, who's my good friend now, we kind of grew up together. He would get together with the drummer and, you know, keyboard was gone at this point. So they went up to the drummer's attic one day and there was a guitar sitting there, an old guitar uh, with some strings missing. So they're <laughs> playing. So I picked up the old guitar and plugged it in. And just started playing, you know, what were bass lines. I didn't know what I was doing. And the guitarist said, hey, you should play bass. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and bought a bass. And that's how I got into it. And I'm really happy I did. How old were you then? What, 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 how old were you that day? Um, when I started, when I bought the bass, I was 14. 
Nice. And I, and I was living on Cape Cod at that time. I had moved from Medford down to Cape Cod, and uh, which gave me a lot of time because I didn't know anybody down there. And all I did was put records on and play along with the bass, you know? Yeah. So that's how it started. That's super cool. Yeah. Super cool. What amazes me is how responsible the bass is for creating a groove in a song. Yeah. I was missing with my song birthday song on uh Snowcake and yeah. I was playing a few different bass ideas and every single one changed the whole groove and changed yeah. the, the tune. And then when I did that very busy thing, I went, Oh, this is the one, you know, yeah. Yeah. it reminded me so much of what Paul would have done on a, almost any tune, even I should have known better or one of those. And I went, I can't right. believe the song went in this direction, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, I, it, I bass is, it, it's kind of an underrated instrument in the overall scheme. I think, you know, it is, and it's so fundamental being at the bottom, but I had no idea how much it could absolutely change the destiny of a song. It's it's yeah. it's very powerful that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always thought that bass players and drummers have like a secret language, you know, <laughs> and very few people have words for it. And I've always been trying to figure out what do they know about groove that I need to know? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Well, I... I always said that the bass is the instrument where you're playing rhythm and melody, you know? I mean, all the instruments do to some point, but I think more so the bass, because like you say, you're, you're trying to lock in with the drummer, and but you are you can also kind of move around and play notes and melodies. And so you get the best of both worlds. It's fabulous. And you've come up with so many beautiful melodies. I mean, even just in... Uh... Just the, the, the few songs you've played on, on my my records, oh my God, the lines that you come up with are so beautiful and so perfect. And then out of nowhere, you like sometimes throw in this line, like in uh, Love For You, you put in that line that I went, oh my God, I have to double that on Nylon. It's like you, you, you created an arrangement, you know, like you, you're magically automatically just as your musical sense directs you and leads you to play a bass line you are interweaving such musicianship and such greatness that it it actually enhances the song and and turns it into something even better than it was before it, it just blows me away when you do that thanks so much for that lauren i appreciate it especially coming from you <laughs> 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 but you know songwriter guitarist singer producer <laughs> that's, <him. laughs> that's me oh my gosh and you're a fabulous singer so then even recently with um make something better it was like oh my god it was almost like we were doing one of those duets you know yeah. like uh when they say uh any two artists and all of a sudden they're up for a category in the Grammys where it's a duet between and they, they list yeah. us. That, that's how important what you sang and you and Mary delivered for that song. That was just extraordinary. And I didn't even foresee that song having that kind of coolness. Like oh, you added oh. so much extra R&B coolness <laughs> that it was like, you know, every time I lean anywhere in that direction of R&B for my songs, I just go, okay, this has got to get, 
hit over to Mike, you know, over to you, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) As far as the vocals, I mean, I love harmony, you know, two part, three part, you know, and Mary does too. And, you know, she's got the ear for it too. So we're always trying to find places to put it, you know, in a song. Mary the painter. Yeah. Is a great singer. Yeah. And she's in the band with you. She is. She's in my band. Yeah. Mike Bishop group. Yeah. The Mike Bishop group. Fabulous. Now you want to talk about some of your songs or you want to talk about uh, the Mike Bishop group? Uh, Love the group. Great bunch of musicians and great people. Uh, We're we're not playing that often. Kind of, um, you know, the COVID thing kind of shut us down for a long time. And we just started kind of getting back into it. And then we found out that Shiki has serious health issue that she's dealing with. And uh, it's also, I think, difficult to book the kind of band that we are because we're doing some original music. And um, the, the R&B soul thing, there's really not a, not a lot of that around town either, I don't think, that, that I see. That's what makes it so special. You know, like that's what yeah. they almost uh, <laughs> have you yeah. on because of that. You know, it's like you can't get yeah. this everywhere. Right. This is something cool. Yeah. So we're, I'm trying to search out and find some places that we can do, um, hopefully on a regular basis. And just, you know, we, we'd be happy doing a gig a month, you know. Yeah. That would be How good. How many pieces are in the band? And what are the, what's the uh, Let me see. We've got uh, drums, guitar keys, bass, Mary sings and plays acoustic guitar, Shiki sings, and Mark plays sax, so there's seven of us. Jeez. Yeah, pretty big band. You need a big stage. You can't even fit all those people on a regular (laughs) stage, can you? A big stage is nice. It's (laughs) rare, but it's nice. (laughs) No platforms, please, just a stage. That's what was great about the gigs we were doing with After Fab is you, we usually had a nice big stage in some of those theaters and it, it's a nice situation, you know. I know. And I had just been saying, I want to be in a band again and I want to play small theaters and I should be on stages. Where can I play? You know, what can I do? What kind of a band? And then it was so amazing to get that invitation. Yeah. Yeah. And the best thing that came out of it was meeting you and Mary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. a fantastic time. And yeah. a really cool, really cool band. A good friendship, yeah. We did. We did a lot of great things with that band. You know, the um, not easy music to play with the arrangements and some of the things they did, you know, with strings and horns. and But uh, we, we pulled it off pretty well. Tons of different sensibilities, because yeah. there's so many different bass players and guitar players that you and I right. have imitated. Yeah, that's true too. That's true. Like a whole bunch of different personalities. Yeah. Like, and then the vocals too, the vocals and the, the harmonies. and Yeah. It was a lot of work. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was so cool to meet Doug. Doug Alexander is a super musician from that band. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes, he did some great great parts in those songs covered a lot of different instruments and things, you know, yeah, all the sound effects and wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was amazed when uh, we heard that uh, there were 700 more songs to choose from. 
And that was back in 2015. Oh, wow. So now there's even more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and 70 number one hits. Prolific. Yeah. Besides the, you know, the Beatle hits from 1963 to 70, we're talking about those solo years. Right. More hits. Just amazing. Really yeah. Amazing. Now, some of your other influences, though, hadn't been from those fab guys. They were R&B folks and, and uh, some really amazing bass players. Like one of the things I love so much about your bass playing compared to my bass playing is that you're just so incredibly smooth and um, the feel, there's like a lilt and a, and a, you know, it's like when you hear some of my songs and you start doing this, <laughs> you, you you put that in the bass line and it's like, right. it, it's like the, the bass line is dancing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just get kind of the, if it's swinging a little bit or whatever, you just try to get that feel and, um, as far as the 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 riffs, you're just trying to find some space where there's some space, and you you can fill it, you know, without stepping on something else. And and then a lot of times I I'm listening to the vocal line too, and I'm trying to play something that will support the vocal line, you know. At now times that isn't new. That I've heard Ringo say that about drums, like he's always listening to the vocal and he plays around yeah. the vocal. Now you're saying that uh, certainly if I'm playing lead guitar, I'm thinking about that. But I, I think that it comes back to you know one of the coolest things about why I love playing with you is that you know how to play to serve the song. That is just such a blessing to a songwriter like me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what it's all about. It's like, I always said, it's like a puzzle and you're looking for the right puzzle pieces to wow. complete the song. You know, that is good. That is good because we know a good song is like a melody and some background chords, and that's it. It's like if it's good, it can exist just like that vocal right. and guitar, vocal and piano, right? Vocal and some kind of chordal instrument, and there aren't that many. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but all the other stuff then becomes <clears throat> like the icing on the cake, you know, like and and filling it out like you had no idea it was a meat pie you know? right <laughs> <laughs> this song's a whole meal now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but I, I think the, the musicians that, that my favorite musicians that i play with are, are musicians that you know are listening they're always listening mm. they're always hearing what what the other instruments are doing and what the vocals are doing and mm. and, and you play off of that you know that kind of inspires you to do something and hopefully are inspiring someone else to do to create too you know right right oh that's good that's so good yeah i think that the um that interaction is is so important and then you and i came and met through something that was already decided, like we weren't making those choices, you know? Right. So then you needed to make the choices for my songs. I don't think I ever once heard you say what I've heard some bass players and drummers say to me, okay, you're doing everything. You've got the bass line in there. You've got the rhythm and you've got yeah. the song. Like, what do you want us to play? Like you, you're, your guitar part's busy and it's got a lot of stuff. And I would think, but do they say that to Tori Amos? Do they say that to Elton John? It's like, come right. up with something that fits around what I'm doing because right. I'm really attached to this guitar part. 
Well, I think I, I write the same way. I, I have a lot of stuff going on, you know, there's multiple mm. guitar parts and keyboards and maybe horns and, you know, so I'm kind of used to that, I think, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, and I love what you do with, with your chords and you, you, you play some great chords. Uh, very different, you know. I know you're always searching for interesting chords. Yeah. You know? so. Interesting voicing. Yeah. Yeah. I've always admired the students I've had that aren't afraid to just try to put their fingers anywhere instead of thinking, well, I don't know the shape down here. I don't know what fingering to use, or I don't know how to find a chord. I'll just play the right. basic chord I know or whatever. But, you know, a lot of people like to noodle on piano because you can play anything and put almost any bass note under right. <laughs> something and get right. a whole other. Yeah. The bass note, the bass note changes the chord a lot of times, you know? Absolutely. You know, yeah. so chord over bass note, that slash chord makes things very, very delicious and interesting. Yeah. And then hybrid chords when there's a chord in each hand, but uh, with guitar, you can do that as well because You've right. got six voices. You've got six right. strings. You don't need mm -hmm. all of them in every moment. And right. it's, I really like the students that will just hunt and peck like I do and just search and explore and find something they like and then figure out what it is because it's never something off of Mars. It's not something that never existed before or something right. in yeah. harmony. It's just that it's new to your fingers. It's new to right. your eyes as a shape, you didn't realize, oh, it's just a G chord. It's just a G yeah. line, something yeah. like that. I remember well, thinking I made up some voicings, and then I found them in the Bill Levitt books when I was about 12 years old. Oh, like, really? Oh, that's, a, that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many people playing for so many years, it's hard to find something that I guess someone hasn't done. But you can, <laughs> you can make it sound like it's your own, though, by context, how you use it and the rhythm of it, the timing of it, there's so many things you can do. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, I think a lot of us just do it naturally, too. I mean, we're not even thinking, what can I do to make right. this different? I mean, like for me, I'm right. always just trying to explore and, and take my ear by surprise and give me something that actually matters to me in that moment, like make me feel something. And I go, oh, like that, if that gives me goosebumps or makes me emotional, I think I'm on the right track here. I like right. this, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, how did you define that for you? Like, how did, how did that happen for your writing? Well, uh, I mean, that's what you're describing. That's all I ever did, you know, was just keep searching to, for something that sounded good to me because I'm not a school musician. I didn't take lessons and I don't know how to read. And mm. um, so I was just luckily, you know, thankfully I was blessed with good ears and, and even that I didn't realize until later, I always thought, well, everybody can hear that. You know, everybody knows what I'm talking about. And it, you find out later that, no, it's that's not true, you know? Yeah. So just yeah, just, so. just searching on the bass. And then I started uh, picking up the guitar and just same thing with guitar. I didn't I didn't know what I was playing. I didn't even know what the chord was. I would just look for notes that sounded good and play them together and, you know, put them down on a cassette tape or whatever. You know, we had the old, I think you had one too, the old cassette four tracks. You know, I didn't have a four track cassette machine, but I, I did have old cassette decks, the little ones. Yeah. Portable ones. And, and I also had, uh, you know, the big ones that look like 
console stereo gear, you know, where you had a cassette yes. machine that went with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I got when I got the four track, then I could play my bass line and a guitar part and a vocal part, and that was just a great thing to have, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, there's a dream machine to hear all your ideas back at once, right? Right, and then I had boxes, and I still have them boxes and boxes of cassette tapes with little ideas on them, you know. It's just me too, uh, they're not songs, and then you know, when I got the the computer and learned how to use that that was that was a real godsend because i could flesh everything out and it was just so easy to put the songs together and that's when i feel like i really became more of a songwriter where i could just complete something take the idea and just spend whatever time you needed you, you know sometimes it takes a long time to to build the song and and complete it work it out you know <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you finally had a digital sound so that it was clean. Like you could right. just keep overdubbing. There was no tape. Right, right, exactly. You didn't have to bounce tracks. You, know? you could turn any demo into an actual finished record, you yeah. know, like because yeah. the quality was decent. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what an incredible thing. Yeah. It is totally amazing, actually, what we all have access to now. Yeah. But I love what you said that you weren't thinking in terms of harmony or theory or any of those things. I mean, as my students learn theory and harmony, and then they're asked to use some of the basic things they're learning, the basics do sound like homework songs. So they go, I, I don't really like this. I don't like knowing what I'm doing because it sounds like a homework song, but they don't realize that that's the exercise that they're doing for the class. It's not how you should write or limited, just stay diatonic or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I felt very insecure uh, studying with Mick Goodrick when he said he wanted to study with me back in the 90s. And we spent three semesters together. He was doing different uh, mentoring with the faculty, the guitar faculty at Berkeley. That's that's a great compliment to you that he wanted to work with you. Well, he had heard me talking about working with Sandra Cott, who's another teacher at Berkeley who plays violin with the Boston Pops. Oh, and she yeah. came over to play a melody. Uh, you know, I just had a couple of little melodies I wanted to play. And she played on Baby's Blue on the Two True album, and she played on The Garden. And around that time was Constant Craving. And I loved the chunk, 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 chunk. Oh, chunk, yeah. Yeah. Chunk, chunk kind of a sound so i wanted that kind of percussive thing and then i had a na, 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 na. so i wrote down this melody and i didn't dare put any of the bowing i thought she plays with the pops i mean she knows what she's doing i don't have to put down bowing but the first question she asked me was well how would you like me to play this and she literally played that little melody i just sang 14 different ways wow. and each had different emotional impacts amazing i was like you know get my jaw back up off the floor because if i had given those notes to any guitar player they would have went ding 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 that's the rhythm those are the notes that's what you've got and it's like there's so much more and horn players and violin players viola players string players know this so they taught a whole bunch of different things that guitarists are never taught because they have to play together They have to play as a section. So they play as one, whether there's three of them, two of them, 15 of them, and they all have to do long, short, soft, loud, 
Right. Into it, long bow, sustain, chop sound. Like they all have to do it together so that they sound like one. So they, they learn not only the notation for that kind of articulation and personality for the composer or the arranger's idea, but they learn how to actually play it and deliver it that way. So when Mick overheard me talking to another teacher explaining this and how blown away I was by this, he came over and tapped on my shoulder and said, I want to study with you. I was like, oh, God. You know? <laughs> and then um, I told him, I said, you know, I've never even taken any composition classes at Berkeley when I was a student. I just sort of explore and hunt and peck and reach yeah. for some kind of feeling. And this note wants to go up and this wants to go down and this one wants to s- sustain and this one wants to a different bass note. And I just feel where the song should go. And he said, that's how you're supposed to write. Right. And that just blew me away, too. You know, yeah, yeah. Permission from the guitar department guru. Thank you. (laughs) People forget about the emotional side of it. What's the impact of it? And I've never liked those discussions of, well, what do you like better, your left brain or your right brain? Or what do you think is more important, your brain or your heart? Or what do you think is more important, (laughs) your soul or your body? Or, you know, it's just like, oh my God, we are this entire thing. And this whole interface, this whole wonderful thing that we live in perceives music it all matters yeah. it all matters yeah and it doesn't just exist on a internal intellectual plane right yes i can describe it yes i can put it into language and ask you specifically for what i want now that i know the language to read and write music let's say mm-hmm. or any you know for any player but the feeling of it is always the most important thing right and 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 people don't realize that they just try to stuff as much knowledge into each song as possible. And it's like, you can't possibly put everything, you know, and love and you're interested in, in every song, it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, again, uh, playing or writing for the song, like we were talking about earlier, you know, hmm. whatever that song is, you know? Yeah. And, and a you, lot of times, go ahead. You, you had mentioned McCartney's bass playing earlier. And how he was one of the most melodic bass players, I think, maybe because he was a guitarist before yes. he played bass. Yes, probably. But then again, a lot of guitarists that I hear, when I hear them play bass, I said, that's a guitarist. That's not a bass player. You can kind of tell, you know, but not with him. You know, he just, he played like a bass player, but he was very melodic. But then again, he'd have songs like um, Let Him In. Where he'd just be playing the one note, bump, 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 almost the whole song. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just whatever worked for the song. Or know? get back, boom, 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 yeah. boom, And and wasn't that fun? Uh, you probably saw the get back uh, special, where yes. he was actually writing it. He was playing the bass almost like a guitar to write oh, that yeah. song. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. And yeah. and he writes the song on camera. He reaches in and guesses, we need another song. And he just starts fooling around and this thing pops out. And so many people that don't write songs were so amazed by that. And I thought, that's how we all do it. (laughs) That's how it happens for any human being. It's just a a seed. The idea, you know, the first idea is like a seed. Yeah. And you have to cultivate it, you know. Yeah. And not kill it before it has a chance to grow. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of people do. They talk themselves out of it, like, well, this is a stupid idea. 
Yeah. I, I have people say to me all the time, well, how do you write a song? And I say, oh, come on, you must have sung something in your life, you know, anything. You know, like you're looking around going, where did I put my keys? You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> There's a melody to it. And because right. of, you know. I like the, that. I like that one. Oh, there are my shoes, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but there's like, there's rhythm in language, right? The strong and weak beats of every syllable. And you usually sing it right. If you're doing something silly, like where did I put my keys or something like that. And yeah. you wouldn't go, where did I put my keys and though I thought, you know, it's just like you would, yeah. you'd keep it the way it makes sense right. for language. And if people would remember that, then their songs would have more singability to them. Mm -hmm. I learned that from a conversation with Paul Simon and Sammy Kahn. Oh, wow. TV show on when I was a kid and I was like at the edge of my seat, listening to these two talk about how they wrote songs and Sammy Khan kept saying, it has to have a singability. It has to be able to roll off your lips. It, it, and the prosody of it, how the rhythm of the words fit the melody of the song with all the strong and weak beats. You know, like, what yeah. is that going to be on? I don't consciously think about those beats. Right. We just sing things because we've heard a lot of great music, you and I. Right. Our sensibilities, our frame of references uh, Kate Chadbourne would tell me, like, that's a great phrase, the, fra the, the frame of reference in which you're using anything you've ever heard before is in there. Absolutely. And it depends what you're listening to or how cool your sensibilities are. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. You working on, on any new songs yourself? I've been working on trying to clean up 63 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I have I moved. We all do that. <laughs> I have moved a million times, and uh, thankfully, this last move to this house here. I've been here now seventeen years, and yet because of all those other unexpected moves, things were just put in boxes and expected to go through sometime later. <clears throat> right. And things have been so crowded and so crazy, and I'm looking back. I just opened a trunk. I've had since grade school on. And I've put all kinds of things in there, you know, parents' anniversary things and every degree and every... Like a time capsule, right? <laughs> it, is, it was time traveling and some of it was hilarious and I had no idea I still had it. And I thought, why? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it is time to recycle. So, yeah, there have been a lot of, lot of changes and um, just trying to make space. And my, my life feels bigger and more open. So I haven't really been in the studio creating music or writing songs since the release of Snowcake, which was just yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I had to change something in the mixer, but at least it works. I turned it on and found out Stevie Wonder is alive and well. Oh, <laughs> Mike actually helped me. Mike and Mary carried Stevie Wonder to the spot <laughs> it is in. <laughs> Better um, tell people who Stevie Wonder is. <laughs> Stevie Wonder is an audience 4816 <laughs> mixer, an analog mixing console that um, I bought. And uh, when I, the seller was selling it, he said, 
Well, you're going to have to carry him down the stairs. He weighs 250 pounds. It's like carrying Stevie Wonder. (laughs) (laughs) So the board became Stevie Wonder. (laughs) Yeah. And like I've always said, who wouldn't want a Stevie Wonder in their studio? I mean, if we could play with Stevie Wonder and write with Stevie Wonder. Wow. A genius. One of the geniuses of our time. Yeah. Yeah. Loved growing up with him. Thank God for him. Yeah. Adding some R&B flavor to my stuff. Wow. Now, you said you can tell when it's a guitar player playing the bass. What are the tell? Usually, usually are, not all the time. What is it that stands out to you <clears throat> almost as a negative that isn't the cool bass thing that I'm after? Like, what can I do to improve my bass? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. Maybe it's that smoothness that you were talking about. Maybe it's just, it feels natural. It's like when I see you play the guitar and everything, you make everything look so easy. Hmm. You know, your chords and your changes and your, you know, rhythms. And and I think it gets to be like that with the bass too. It's just, it feels natural in your hand, you know, it's hmm. just easy to play, you know? And um, I'm sure most guitarists don't spend a lot of time playing the bass. If, if you're like me playing guitar, like I'm usually playing bass and I, I don't practice guitar. I play guitar when I'm trying to write something. <laughs> and I'm usually so rusty that I have to play it over and over and over until I can feel comfortable with it again, you know? Yeah, right. but, uh, I, I should play more often with guitar, but I just basically do it mostly when I write, you know? And I would, I would imagine it's probably the same way for a guitar player playing bass. I see. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we probably should play some of those other instruments with some of the great players that inspire us on those instruments and yeah. learn how to feel and play along so that we're hitting the notes, landing on the notes, sustaining the notes, all the stuff the violin players do, right? Right. Like, you know, if you took one violin lesson, <laughs> a half hour lesson is still, here's a note. Yeah. And play it back exactly like that. And if they go, Voop, they go, no, here's the note. <laughs> and then they're wanting the right intonation, the right sustain, the right position. The right, there's so much to teach. Yeah. And yeah. players are so slipshod about it. That's what drives me crazy. It's like they're not knowing the best guitar players or the best uh, bass players to imitate. And it's like just to get that beautiful round note to sit in the right place and to not buzz or fret out or have their action right. too low. Yeah. All those things, there's everything makes a difference. And all mm-hmm. that little stuff that like isn't in focus right. is really obvious. Did you ever take violin lessons? No. <laughs> I thought you were talking from experience, maybe. <laughs> no, but I've I've uh I've witnessed certain things. Right. Certain certain classes of I, I used to be uh, fascinated going into Eugene Friesen's class and he'd have a whole small string ensemble and watch them read and practice and I was just floored at the details and the care yeah the details and and that's what I loved about playing and singing with you uh in Afterfab is because you were really after those details as well yeah yeah, I think we all were pretty much in that band, you know, we yeah. wanted to make it sound right. Yeah. Yeah. There is a right. And I like when you say the puzzle pieces, like those folks on any of those records, 
that we've ever tried to imitate. <laughs> uh, we're looking for all the right parts as well. So once you've got them, I didn't want to put my spin on them. I wasn't going to play it the way I want to play it. Right. I wanted to play it like they did. I wanted that impact and that emotional reason for why that part was there. You right. Know? Being a tribute band, which is what we were. Right. That's sort of what you're going for. You want it to sound like them playing it as opposed yeah. to how you would do it, you know. And you can't help but being you, you know. So right. as time would right. go by, things would drift and I would start playing things differently. Yeah. You know, and it's just this is the way I hear it or this feels good to me. And it's like, well, your center of gravity is pulling it this way, but it doesn't go like that. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. you have to you keep can't avoid it to a point, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can't avoid it. Yeah. Being yourself, playing your, like you like you do. And but, how unnatural it was for us to be in that band. And I was in that other sound like band for 12 years uh, doing the Beatle years. It's such an unnatural thing to do. It, it's like being a classical player or playing uh, in the pit band of, of a Broadway play or something. Like it has to be this way right. every night. And right. that would be so unnatural if we were like, let's say we were just on tour playing our original tunes. There'd be this leeway. We wouldn't play it exactly. Right. right. You don't want to play it the same every night, probably, but an original thing, you know? Yeah. You want some yeah. improvisation. But I think I, because, I don't know if you felt like this, but because I had the original thing, I was writing songs and, and uh, at one point had my original band playing. So I had that aspect also. So it wasn't, you weren't just doing the tribute thing and trying to copy someone. You had your own thing that was where you could be a little more creative, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've always had my own thing. For some reason, uh, you know, I found how to write a song when I was 10 years old. And I didn't know how it happened, but it felt like I had gone into a whole other creative place, like a whole other room, and all this magic was happening. And I thought, what is this? This is amazing. I love feeling like this. I want to, will this ever happen again? How do you make this happen again? Right. And my whole life, it's been about let me learn as much as I can about all the different instruments and things I love about music, but make my own noise, make my own music. And because I love the Beatles, the quick answers from other people are, Oh, I can hear the Beatle influence or, uh, you know, she's a Beatle clone. And it's like, I feel like my music is such a combination of things. Um, certainly the best inf uh, inspiration came from the Beatles. And right. I felt like I learned nearly everything from them because of their sensibilities, their humor, their sense of freedom, their ability to groove, their feel and their songs, uh, how to play a really good sounding guitar, bass, you know, come up with bass lines, come up with string lines, all the sensibilities and inspiration from Sir George Martin. Oh, my God, the arranging ideas. It just goes on and on and on about how to produce, how to arrange, how to get good sounds from those great engineers. Yeah. There's tons of stuff to admire and have and, and continue from. Like, it's, it's like they never disappoint you when you put them on. There's still something so joyous about it that it just right. goes. And all your chakras spin and you feel great again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So well, you, that, I, I do. I hear the Beatle influence in a lot of your songs, but then I hear other songs that you wrote that are just completely different. You know, you, you have such a wide range of style that you write in. I don't even think of styles, but like when you study drums, they're like, can you do a Latin beat? 
can you yeah. do this beat? Can you swing? Can you play pop rock? Can you play, you know, like it's like a drum machine, just cue it up and go, you know? Yeah. And uh, I heard Jeff Lynn say on his BBC special that he liked pop rock because it's all the styles. And I went, what a great thing. Cause I've always said my stuff is pop rock or art rock right. or right. rock. And of course it's going to, merge and blend and mix right. things up in a different way because that's what pop rock is of course it's a great thing it's a great, what a great thing. definition yeah but i don't, i was never set out to say i would like to merge this and this and come up with my own blend of something i think it was just again like no, it's just you know, your your influences come out you know yeah yeah and and, and people who knew me well or listened to me practice a lot like roommates and various friends who were around or other players and other bands I was in, they could always tell who I was listening to because those flavors <laughs> would seep into my music. Right. Yeah. 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 Do you find that for your writing? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, do you ever like get like the Beatles and go, Oh, let's write one of them. Oh, I don't remember doing that specifically like intentionally trying to sound like somebody but i think like you said you, it, you know it's all in there hmm. you know everything that you've heard and and I, i've been into so many different styles of music over the years you know i went through a phase listening to a lot of jazz and then the jazz fusion in the 70s and loved herbie hancock and billy cobham and uh always loved the soul stuff wow. the rock the beatles you know everything just Almond Brothers and Santana and you know mm. all of that stuff. Yeah, and it's all different. Like the Santana stuff, you get the Latin influence and and the R and B soul, you know, and the funky stuff. And it's like you get all of that, and you can just draw from it. You know, super cool. Yeah, super super cool. I think it was more for a writing thing when the Beatles would say that. You know, it's like, let's write one of them. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, like if they were doing um, harmony vocals, especially, let's be the Beach Boys on this one. Or oh, let's, yeah. Let's yeah. With Mac, you know, and they yeah. would, certain harmony vocals or, or, or instrumentation ideas would come to mind because of that flavor or that particular album they were listening to and say, let's add some of this coolness from this inspiration into this tune, you know. Right, right. I had picked up uh, the the song uh, Let's Stay Together by Al Green. And I was trying to uh, get some of my students to play some of these chords that are in that song. I just thought it'd be a fun song for them to cop the feel of and learn how yeah. to play rhythm. It's a little different, yeah. Because a lot, of, a lot of guitar players aren't playing rhythm guitar at all anymore. You know, they don't play more than one note at a time and they don't play anything less than six. They're always yeah. killing all six strings. And it's like, but there's lots of little things in between one and six strings that you can do. And that's really cool with guitar. Yeah. So I, I taught them how to play Let's Stay Together. And I had never played that song before. And I thought, no wonder I've always loved this song. It's got so many chords in it that I love, like minor yeah. nines, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so, a lot of harmony in the chords, you know? Yeah. yeah. So then that's what this thing was starting to come up. I was like, I got to write a song with this sort of... Yeah. Yeah, it's a great feel. So that's yeah. when I wrote Dance With Your Darling, which started off as Dance With Your Penguin. 
don't know. Maybe it's because of this. I don't know why it turned into Dance With You Penguin, but... Yeah, when you sent it to me, it was Dance With You Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> Great song. I love what you played on there. Again, you just, Fun. like, you added, like, the James Jamerson, which was just like, thank you. <laughs> so, so cool. But you play with lots of other people, all kinds of other bands, and probably other songwriters and you you teach and uh do a whole bunch of singing with other people yeah i haven't done much teaching but uh just a little bit i think i've, I've kind of stayed away from that because i don't read and, and you know, thinking a lot of people want that and you know i would be able to teach reading and that kind of thing the theory you know you'd, you'd be surprised i mean i've taught over 10,000 people at berkeley now since 1984 and very few of them want anything to do with reading yeah <laughs> and now even less you know so yeah reading's not the yeah. thing yeah yeah no i i think more the feel how to hold it correctly how to get a really good sound teach me this baseline or how can yeah. I get my fingers to do this? You know, you'd probably be able to show them something they can work on, even yeah. to get the scale to get their fingers working. Because right. you know, there's a whole physical aspect to any instrument besides anything you understand about what could happen theoretically right. or harmonically. Right. Yeah. That's amazing that you've taught that many people. It's insane. <laughs> that yeah, doesn't even include high school. <laughs> think of all the people and, and what they're doing, and, and you've had an influence on, on them, you know, probably in their life also, as well as musically, which is really cool. I do hear from some folks from time to time, and they're, they're yeah. still thinking about some of the things we talked about, which is fun. But I've gotten inspired by them as well, you know? Oh, yeah. Once yeah. in a while, there was somebody who really had something going on that you go, that's really cool. Yeah. You never yeah. stop learning. No. You never stop. Thank you know? God. Yeah. <laughs> so great. But, yeah. you know, I, I don't think you should shy away from teaching at all because you know so much. And a lot of people, especially even on bass, just want to be better. And you would know how to help them get better because you know what you worked on. Right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is, is. It's just like sharing what you love because I never had desires to be a teacher. I, I was just, you know, I love guitar. I can share what I love about it. Yeah. But you, you do a great job of teaching and conveying information. I've seen you, you know, in your videos or, or working with someone and you're really good at it, you know? thank you well i think like you say it's the the background the sensibilities the hearing other great musicians talk about stuff you just the experiences you've had with your bands and all the people you've played with in your life all the albums you've made and all the sessions you've been on it's like just being there and talking you know yeah. what's happening and you can see like like talk about puzzle pieces fitting and not fitting it's like well we just need to get this to line up a little better you know, like it's it's almost pretty obvious uh, what's wrong with something sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was funny that uh, I'm laughing at myself there because Mike Harmon of, of Wachusett Recording was recording 
himself playing drums and you playing bass on Love For You. Right. Off of Snowcake. And because he was taking a DI and an amp signal, a mic'd amp at the same time, he would have thought of this right away. But because I don't usually mic a bass amp because my bass amps breathe and make noise, I usually just go direct. Right. We were trying to fix one bass note. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We couldn't get anything to sound good because the old bass note was still there in the recording uh, yeah. on all the drum mics. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So that because was the, that was the note the we were line. talking about, right? That was the one that we were talking back and forth about. It's funny because I listened to um, what you gave me originally. And, and what I do is, uh, you know, I usually break it down. I'll take um, the intro and make up a bass part for the intro. And then uh, most of the time. And then go to the next section and make a bit and then kind of tie them all together. Nice. Uh, yeah. But um, on the, I do it on the phone. You know, I just put the recorder on. I have a little recorder app on the phone. And I was listening to it and I said, geez, that bass note I played there, it fit. It sounds good. So <laughs> I didn't know if maybe you had added some things later that changed the chord or. Oh, when you listen to the album eventually when it was done? Well, yeah, I mean, we talked about changing the bass note because what didn't seem to be working with the chord. But when I listened to what you had originally given me, it seemed to work, uh, you know, the original note that I played. So I didn't know if maybe you had, and I know you layer things sometimes and maybe something was layered on that clashed with that bass note or, you know. Well, yeah, that's an interesting thought. I probably just played it differently. Yeah. Right. So I think what happened was I added an extra diminished chord, probably right. unexpectedly to the version that we all eventually made a record with. Right. Right. And the original demo I sent of the song probably didn't have that diminished chord there. That's what that's what it was. It was but yeah. then all of a sudden we were up a half step from that last bass note and both of them were happening at the same time. And then we couldn't get it to sound good because the old bass note was still in all the drum mics. <laughs> <laughs> How did he fix that? What did he do eventually to, to fix that? Did oh well, I fixed it. I, I, um, you know, just realized that I, if I did a pitch shift on any of the, the you know, bass notes, just yeah. go up half a step. All of them had to go up half a step. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So then that's what that's what's on the record now. <laughs> yeah. Little things like that can drive you crazy for a while, and you don't think of it because you you didn't set up the session. You don't realize where it's coming from or why this is. Right. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember sitting between you, between the two mics, <laughs> between bass and drum, drum mic, bass mic, <laughs> and and just trying not to cry because it was just so gorgeous. Really. Wow. You were playing such beautiful things to that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was a fun day. Oh, it was good. <laughs> it was like my first time out in public after you know three years of being at home, pretty much. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then we had our little percussion tracking after that, where we yes, we do three three tracks with the three of us playing all different percussion instruments each time. Twice, yeah. <laughs> oh, twice. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we did three instruments together. Three instruments, two times. Shaking yeah, things and hit yeah. things like, okay. And then we did it again. Each picked up something else and did it again. So, yeah, it was twice. So there are six things, two of each of us right. <laughs> right. on that song, playing yeah. a whole bed of percussive fun. Yeah, yeah. I was so worried if that sounded like a bossa nova, like I didn't want it to go into corny land. Yeah, right. 
even though it was sort of still bossa nova it didn't go into corny land it sounded more like sting which was good yeah it sounds great yeah i love what you guys did thank you so much oh thanks for asking love doing it (laughs) what's what's on the uh, agenda for you what have you been working on or thinking about working on i haven't been doing much like you with the uh, original music lately you know i've got the bands going and i'm and going over that material to make sure I, you know, it's, it's ready long. to go, you know. Yeah. And we're playing the uh, the Santana tribute. Abraxas is playing uh, this Saturday at a theater in Beverly, the Larkin oh, Theater. Fantastic. Yeah, that'll be a nice gig. And then we're playing on, I think it's the 24th of June. It's a Saturday. Date may not be exact, but down at the Spire in Plymouth. Oh, I don't cool. know if you, have you checked that place out at all? Right, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, it's an old church, and they converted it to a concert menu, and it's it's really cool. They have a nice sound system and lights, and yeah. super. My my friend Woody Bavoda runs the lights down there, so nice. Yeah, and that's the same man going to do those two shows. Yeah, yeah, that's the Santana tribute, Abraxas. Yeah. Wow. And how many people are in that band? Uh, that can vary. 29. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he uses two percussion players and a drummer. Sometimes one percussion player and a drummer. Um, and the keys, bass, guitar. And sometimes he has a front person singing. Sometimes I'm singing. Yeah, oh, just, sweet. Oh, it depends. He sets it up differently depending on the gig, you know. Wow. Yeah. So you have to change things around? Like all of a sudden you're singing harmony instead of the lead or something? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a lot to remember. Yeah. This there's not a, a lot of harmony. There's a lot of with the Santana songs that we're doing, there's a lot of sort of group unison singing. Oh wow. Um there is some harmony, but not um not a tremendous amount. Oh doodle doodle. Those kinds of sing along thingies with yeah. The... Oh, yeah, or... yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. My two uh, most gigging band experiences of other music other than my own, I think, came through one through the Internet and one through the newspaper. I remember uh, Phil Collins found the ad to join Genesis. Like, oh, yeah. An acoustic drummer. Wow. <laughs> Sensitive to good songs and stuff like that. Again, somebody that's going to play a part that doesn't steamroll through the lyric, right? Right. The vocal. Uh, he found Genesis in the paper, and I thought, God, it'd be so cool to find a good band to be in. in yeah. The- and yeah. Um, I was looking through Northeast Performer Magazine in uh, 1995. <laughs> yeah. And it was a, the issue was a month old, but I saw an ad that said, uh, Established Beatles tribute band seeks lead guitarist. Vocals a must. George Harrison, where are you? And I was Perfect. like, <laughs> <laughs> like they wrote it. They wrote it specifically to you. I right, you know. So I had to call up and say, "I'm right here." You know, like right, yeah. Don't be fussed that I'm a woman. I can really play and sing, and I yeah. love to. And then finally, somebody called me back. But the reason they weren't calling me back wasn't because they were concerned that I wasn't male. It was because they thought I was really from Liverpool, and they were. 
Scared, oh, wow. <laughs> scared to pick up the phone. You know? Nice no, job I, on the accent. Yeah. <laughs> been like, is is that you know? Like, uh, <laughs> that was fun. But yeah. you can be, you know too picky with things like that. I mean, I I drove those guys crazy and and um, was such a stickler when my students started coming up to me saying your bass player and keyboard player aren't playing the right parts. Yeah, I would lose it. I'd get so upset that we were slipping. I really wanted to stay right. at that level, or you know. So I got fired from that band oh, wow. <laughs> for that reason, for being a pain in the ass, basically. Yeah, well, you know, and, uh, well, you know, we somebody should be great. doing that in a in a tribute band. You want to keep it, <laughs> you know, accurate. Yeah. Well, you know, like we've talked before. I mean, I can get too opinionated about things, and I have to learn how to be gentler. And not, you know, such a musician snob, I guess. But yeah. I have certain things that I just like a certain way. And if it's going to benefit the song or benefit the group, I, I can bend a little. But if it's just, you know, nonsense, I, it, it, I just feel like it's lower quality and it bugs me. So I can't. Yeah, <laughs> you just you're trying to make it right. You know, that's that's what it's about. Yeah. And then uh, when After Fab found me, that was great. But that was like a little trick <laughs> because he was just inviting me to the go hear you guys play. Right. And then P.S. I'm also looking for a slide player, if you know anybody. And I was like. <laughs> you know, like yeah, and I, I didn't even know that, that he was doing that at that point. So I was uh, like hoping I really liked the band. And one of the first things I heard you guys do was uh, come and get it. And it just oh, yeah. blew me away. I was so excited. I thought yeah, I just have yeah. to be in this band. I just I love this so much. What a great idea, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was it was a great idea. Yeah. Super fun. And to this day I don't think anybody else is still doing it. I remember there was that one, but I don't um I don't see them around. Yeah. I don't know if they're still together. And and I still think they may have been an offshoot where where somebody heard us. And sort of put that together. Really, I think so, but uh, I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, I know even when I joined uh, that first Beatle band, um, there were already three or four other bands with the name Get Back, and then we changed it to All Together Now and Getting Back and all kinds of things. But there were still so many other bands with the same. It's just that when we started, Paul really wasn't touring that much. Oh, yeah. So people weren't hearing those songs and he wasn't doing the Beatles catalog at that point. Right. Where we played, it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was like a gazebo band. (laughs) People loved the songs, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there was lots of bad videos and bad recordings of (laughs) in the beginning a good band. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Would, what what what's your most favorite stuff to play though? Because like at this point, I probably wouldn't be interested in doing any tribute things. It's just too much work. Yeah, but you're still I think, doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, as you mean, as a bass player or just well, the type I, of band. Right? As as a songwriter, what kind of band would you like to be in? As a bass player, what kind of band do you want to be in? Or or what kind of stuff do you want to do? Or you have more albums planned or? I've always oh, wanted yeah, to I mean, make more albums because, you know, it's like I've got the studio. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a ton of a ton of material. You know, I'd love to do another album. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I you know, when I did the the first one, uh, I did it in uh, Oak Grove Recording. You were there. You came in and, and did some tracking in there. And, and Joe Lacquadera is a good friend. And um, but it's you know it's expensive to do it in the studio, so yeah. uh, that's kind of a drawback. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to do another album or two. You know, and as far as style, I mean, I love playing. I love playing everything, but the, the for a bass player, the R and B soul and funk stuff, you get to play a little bit, you know, as opposed to some of the other styles where you're just kind of playing a root a lot of times or just basic, which, you know, I like that too. Especially um, if you're singing, right? Because then yeah, there's something else yeah. to focus on. Or just, I mean, if you're playing that stuff, just locking in with the drummer, like you were talking about earlier, just, mm. you know, and, and trying to get that really tight and, and enhancing the song, you know? It doesn't matter if it's simple or complicated, you know, it just depends on the song, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but it's fun to do the it's fun to do the old soul and, and funky stuff as a bass player. Yeah. And what other instruments do you play? Um play the six string guitar. Um kind of hack around on that. <laughs> I played a little bit of keyboard on the on the album, but I don't consider myself a keyboard player at all. It's just sort of just finding a few chords and recording them. It's, you know, I can't sit down and play a song on yeah, the keyboard, although I'd love to. You know, if I yeah, if I found the time to practice it, I, I might be able to do that. But, uh, you know, I never play unless, like I said, unless I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And percussion. I like playing some percussion like we did in the studio. It's always fun. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean about the playing, though, because, like, bass players and drummers, from the very beginning, desire to play with other people. Right. It's like you have to. <laughs> you have to. You're, you're socialized right. to do that. Guitar yeah. players and piano players are taught to be virtuosos. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if you look up and remember, oh, there are other people in the world you can play with, you're like, what? <laughs> I could yeah, do right? myself, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, you can go out and do a gig, even, but you know, singing yeah. and, and playing a guitar. Nobody wants to hear a bass player go out and do a solo gig. <laughs> Just the <laughs> bass and a vocal. I mean, it feels so good to to create something like you were talking about when you were ten years old. Mm. And to be able to create something, and it's just such a a, a rush to you know come I up with something. They, What's they, that? They probably people feel that with everything, don't they? Like if it's a painting or a drawing or yeah, oh yeah, you know, I would think so. Solving yeah. of a problem or making pieces fit is is just so exciting. Yeah, yeah. That whole creative just problem. creating creating something out of nowhere. You get yeah. you get an idea, and then, you know, you put a couple of chords together, and hey, that sounds really good, and then you start singing something to it, and, <laughs> you know, maybe a few lyrics, and it's it's it just it feels great. It's fantastic. Yeah, there's, there's nothing better. And I think it's because we're playing with magic, you know? Yeah. Playing with the the power that creates worlds. It's like we are extensions of source energy, right? So it's like, yeah. Yeah. holy cow, there it is. Because I don't know where that idea came from. But that's yeah. perfect. Right. That, that totally fits. Yeah. It's so great. And I, I, I was so... Um happy on my album that you know I had asked you to play some slide on one of the songs 
and you said, sure, I'll play. And, and you know, that was great. And I came home and I, I put the songs on that I had and I said, you know, it's not going to work on that song. It's not going to work on that song. It's not going to work on that. I didn't have a song that I, I felt like the slide would work on. So I'm going to have to write something. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and that's when I wrote The Source, which is probably one of my favorite songs on the album. Such a great um, album. Yeah, and I mean, I started writing that with the slide in mind. And I said, well, what am I going to write it about? What are the lyrics going to be? And you, you send a lot of times the, uh, the videos of um, Abraham the woman that, yeah. she talks about the source and uh, the teachings Wayne, of Abraham Hicks, yeah. Yeah, and Wayne Dyer used to do it on PBS before that. And, he's right. and so I said, well, that's that's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use that as the you know as the lyrics, and that's where the lyrics came from. So that's great. Thanks for uh, thanks for that song. I wouldn't have had it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Right. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Super cool. But I'd love to hear you playing your songs out live. I know you, you sound like you're not really, uh, you, you don't really want to play live at this point, but. Um, I've done it so much, you know, uh, years and years and years of it. And, um, Sometimes it was just guitar and vocal, guitar and bass, guitar, bass and drums, guitar, bass, keys and drums. Uh, sometimes bigger, two guitars, bass, yeah. guitar, drums, keys, two keys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, ah. but like you say, you know, places to play and now there's nothing to sell because they've gotten rid of everything physical. And right. right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the musicians I, lose out again. <laughs> well i was doing tons of gigs before i had any product finished because in those days you couldn't finish anything and get it you know recorded to sound halfway decent with the toys we had didn't sound professional in those days right and then um there was so much time in between the first two albums that i did with too true like the timing was always bizarre you know, but then when it did catch up, I was selling a lot of CDs. Now I still have tons of CDs, but I yeah. don't know if I'm ever going to make a comeback or not. Right. <laughs> some of my students are into cassettes. It's like, well, I have a lot of those left of the first album. You want some of those? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's in those days, you had to have like two national distributors, and I really was working the record label, and we were on radio and TV all the time, and I was always on the phone trying to get gigs and push, 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 trying to do something and get something happening. And yeah, everything's global. It's really cool. At least it's worldwide, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whether these physical copies stay around or ever come back or not, it, they, maybe they just get recycled. Um, the music is there in full right. quality. Anytime right. anybody wants it anywhere in the world. I think that's great. Yeah, that is great. So you know, I, I just trying to keep up with the times, like some of my friends are afraid of AI and all that stuff. And I'm like, musicians will always find a creative way to use things to their advantage, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I guess there are scary things. There's always <laughs> odd situations where people will use whatever technology for evil, but yeah, it's always been that way. And it'll always will be that way. I, we can't, just walk around freaking out about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently they're uh, the AI is writing songs in the style of, you know, it, it, whatever it does, it kind of analyzes and writes a song in the style of Paul McCartney or Tom Petty or yeah. Stevie Wonder or whoever, you know. So that that's a little crazy, but uh it'll probably get better. <laughs> right yeah. now, some of the things people have sent me doesn't sound like John Lennon is singing such and such Paul song to me because you know, I know their voices so well. Yeah. It's yeah. like that's not even close to the real thing. Right. But it could get closer, who knows. Yeah. I mean, sometimes if I just do a pitch shift and put my pitch down, I I can get a nice tone and it can almost fool me for a second, but there's always me in there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Oh, that's what it was. Yes. If I'm if I when I started playing other instruments is when I realized how boring it was to play drums or bass to some of my songs. <laughs> because it was like you said, you want to play more R and B stuff or you want to play something with a group. So here I was playing drums, and if you're just going doom that doom that doom that it doesn't have to be boring though it, you know you, no. you, that's where you look to get creative what can i do here you work at it and, and maybe yeah. you find you know a line or something that kind of gives you some variety you know yes so, but, yeah. but that's when i started realizing this like because i was home as a nine-year-old kid playing and singing songs quietly, not yeah. wanting my family to hear me or have them interfere with my recordings, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So then I realized I'm singing in these lower keys, lower ranges of my voice. When I want to sing with a band, I actually have to pitch it up a little higher because I can't get my voice out over the band, you know? Yeah. There's too yeah. much stage volume to get right. to turn up my mic because I sing quietly. It just turns up the band too. Yeah, you know, that's what's yeah. become so frustrating with playing live. If it's that is difficult, yeah, that is difficult. It's a little easier, I think, on some of those gigs you were talking about where you have a large stage and you don't have to be right on top of somebody, right? Especially the drums, you're playing these little clubs and you're standing directly in front of the drums, yes, and a sing. The you worst know? place was the, the, the incredible volume and sheer echoey sound of you know all those early reflections at johnny d's oh my god when we played there i could not believe how loud everything it was it was insane yeah 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 <laughs> i started bringing the uh minus 45 db over the earplugs i was wearing <laughs> that i used to low the mow the lawn you know and the sound guy was making fun of me they do make earplugs you know and it's like oh i know they're in too <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah. I what I realized was that I had to write songs that were a little bit more up tempo, and when I was gigging with the Beatles songs, they were so happy. So I thought I got to maybe steer away from so many sad songs I was writing when I was in my teenage years, and yeah. I got to write songs that have a higher range so that I could sing out over a band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pitch wise, and then I started writing songs that had more of a fun thing to play as I was learning how to play drums. Right. So learning other instruments has enhanced the songwriting as, as well. Have you found that? You've probably written songs on guitar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's, you know, you can get inspiration from any 
instrument or anything that you play, you know, it's not always, in, in yeah. fact, usually a lot of times when I write something, I don't put the bass, the bass is the last thing I put on. Really? Last thing I track, because I know I'm going to be able to come up with a, a bass line that'll work. I don't worry about that. You know, I want to work out the chords and the, work it out on the guitar and the vocals yeah. and things like that. Well, I usually do the vocals, you know, after everything's down, but um, yeah, a lot of times the bass is last when I'm recording. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. For me, uh, when I start tracking a song, though, the bass is sometimes the very next thing after the original guitar part and the reference vocal, because I yeah. want to decide where's the groove going to be. So what should yeah. I play on the drums? Yeah. Yeah. And because it's a little closer to the guitar, I can kind of suss out where its heartbeat should be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I'm doing the drums too um, on the keyboard, you know, which I I would much prefer to have a band playing, but it's so much easier to do it at home. Yeah. You know, you plug the the MIDI keyboard in and you've got some drum software and you're playing the beat and then, you know, I'll do a track of of the beat and then a track of the hi-hat and then a track of drum fills and then just kind of put it all together, pull some things out, put the drum fills in. Nice. So, yeah. I know if I do that, I always think it's temporary. Then I get attached to it and go, nah, leave it. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, it can sound really good these days, you know, (laughs) like I said, I'd prefer, you know, a a drummer in a full band, but a lot of times it's not possible, you know, but you have the, you, you play the drums and you can record the drums in your studio. So that's a great thing. Yeah. Then you can record some drum and bass players or your bass, your basses. You could do your bass at home or you could do it here with a drummer too. Right. Yeah. That that would, that might be fun. Yeah. But yeah, the, uh, the parts are interesting because it's, if I'm in another tuning, I have to actually even write myself out a chord chart after I write the song and find out what did I actually play. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you remember it, you know, so yeah. that I could play the bass. And and oh, yeah. keyboard. Well, what am I looking for? I don't even know. You know, I don't right. even know what key I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until I figure it out, and I go, oh, make a little lead sheet, and then go, oh, okay. So then I at least know where my roots are. Yeah. My friend Pete Girolamo plays bass, and he, when we were kids in bands together, he would say stuff like El Pass, bass, roots, fifths, and passing tones. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Yeah. I find my roots. Now I can get my fifths and now I can find some passing tones. Breaking it down. <laughs> Reduce condensing it, not condensing, but, uh, you know, breaking it down to its simplest <laughs> form. Right. It totally was. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, how's that fretless monster? It's good. It's right here, right behind the the iPad here. I'm not sure it really fit the bill. Like it really fit the desire to have an actual fretless. Yeah. One strange thing. Yeah. It's a little different, I think, but um, it was fun playing on those couple of songs that I did for you. Yeah. Um, It was very different for me because I mean, I've played, you know, an acoustic bass, but I never had one. So I never, you know, worked a lot on it. Oh, so, so when you meant acoustic, you meant an upright? You wanted an actual big... Oh, no, no. I just... Double bass? You know, or did you yeah. want a guitar fretless bass? Yeah, either either one works. Hmm. You know. So, But it was like I hadn't played a lot. 
on that. So it's like yeah. I really need to work at, uh, like you said, the intonation, getting note right where it should be. You know, right. That uh, what was it called? Flatterguitar.com that I sent you that that link the other day. They're going to send me one of those things to put on over the neck and make it sound. Oh like yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, they're going to yeah, send me one. So. That's a great idea. They yeah. said one or two. If they send me two, I'll send you one. Oh, okay. Give you the other one. Maybe you can even make one of your bases seem fretless. Yeah. yeah. They said it's the dimension of a, a like a, a a Gibson neck. So yeah. it might not fit one of your bases, but it might. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The videos I, I watched sounded like it it did the trick. Wow. Because I used to have one of my strats set up for fretless. I, I literally yeah. had a guy make it fretless and it stayed fretless for 20 years. I would raise the action to play slide and put it back down to play fretless guitar. Wow. And it sounded so similar that I went, mm, put the frets back in, just make it a regular guitar again. Yeah. Missed it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this, so this, this thing along. that you're talking about is it snaps over the neck and it's smooth. So. You I know, get the impression basically. that it's like silicone or something and you like put the neck in it and it snaps oh, on okay. yeah. and it just goes over the strings. Yeah. And as you play it, it probably supersedes the height of the fret, right? So that everything is almost the same height and it just sounds like you're sliding around on the strings. That's my guess. Right. But, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what it does. Yeah, it should be interesting. You know, I'll be able to get an idea out of it and record <laughs> it that way. Yeah. But yeah, if that fretless doesn't work, you might be able to trade it for one that does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know when I sent you the, the parts, there were there seemed to be a lot of overtones and things like that. So I think it was probably difficult for you to mix it and, and get it to sound right. Yeah, there were some weird artifacts or noises or high end and squealy things and I wasn't sure what no. was happening. I don't know if it's yeah. something we can do differently with the electronics or. Yeah, it, maybe that's what it was. It, it might have been the. Uh, don't need so much brightness or whatever. Yeah. I've learned well, a lot more too about active EQs and things. So now I can probably just catch some of the weirdness before it and keep some of the tone. I probably should have given it to you sort of more of a flat EQ. Um, I had seen something online that said this is a great, this is how to adjust your your fretless to make it sound better, more like a stand-up. And, and I did that. I sort of EQ'd it that way, and I think that might have messed it up a little bit. Oh, it depends on what bass, and it always depends on where you're starting from. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was like uh, when people go on a, a diet or something, you know, it's like you can't stay on it too long. Yeah. <laughs> you wither away. Disappear. <laughs> that's not the idea <laughs> you've gone a bit too far come back actually dinky dawson said that to me do you know that name he used to be the stage manager or the road crew guy with uh road manager for fleetwood mac oh yeah dinky dawson came to berkeley to do a clinic in the early 80s and he wanted to hear some of my songs so i gave him a cassette and he told me you're beyond it Come back. He meant he meant harmonically. It's like 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 you're probably too far jazz. Like there's too many colors. Oh. Oh. You're beyond it. Come back. Oh. Okay. <laughs>
It only takes three goals to shake the world. What are you doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to get too complicated, right? But I like chords. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Better to experiment. Yeah. Search for something different. Yeah. Take your ears by surprise. Yeah. What would you say your favorite thing is about music? Hmm. I mean, I, I, it's a toss up to me. Uh, I think creating, writing, and playing live. You know, I like to play live too. They're equal for you. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Maybe, maybe the creating is up a little higher, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, both of those things. I remember. What about that you? We were you, you, me, and Mary were sitting right in this room, right in this area, and uh, we were just singing and playing with like an acoustic guitar or two, and the three voices. And I thought, this is what I want. You know, like, oh, yeah. I, I want to be able to blend and hear everybody without right. all the earplugs and all the stuff, because then I just feel like I'm playing by myself and everybody's far away. You know, like yeah, it's so yeah. isolating for me on stage because of the volume problem. Right. But I mean, the was, vocal blend is the vocal blend is that's fantastic. Fun. You get three people singing, and it it can, you know everybody's blending. Like you said, I use that word all the time with the vocals. I mean, just the you get chills. I mean, it's just when you get it right, and, and the vocals are all locked in. It's just fantastic. And when it's folks that you love, like you and Mary, I mean, yeah. it's like so much fun. So that it's like. What could be better? This is fantastic. Why don't we do this? You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah, I think writing and then bringing it into the studio and watching it come alive is probably right. my favorite thing. Yeah. Because writing is such a euphoric thing with the playing with magic and watching yeah. it out of nowhere, like you say. Yeah. But then the studio is. Uh, like getting a chance to paint it. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I think when I was talking about it, I was kind of considering those things to be one thing, you know, recording and creating and recording. It really isn't. You're right. You know, yeah. No, I, I guess I could. Yeah. I was saying it as one too, and then separated it, but yeah. Yeah. But it is, it is two different things. You know, now that you mention it, you know, well, because there were so many years before I could actually hear my ideas, right? I started writing at 10. That was 1970. And by the time I got my first real multi-track tape recorder, it was a reel-to-reel four-track. And yeah. it was 1977. Yeah, yeah. So I had yeah. one of those, too. Uh, the TI. I, uh, yes. Uh, was it 3340 or 3440? Was the 3340 was the bigger one, the 10 inch reels, yeah. seven and a half inch reels. I had the seven and a half inch reels. I had the 2340. Yeah, yeah. But that's what was so exciting about recording was that I finally had a dream machine where I could hear all my ideas at once, all together, and other people could hear them. So right. they knew what I was talking about. Right. I, I hear harmony vocals, I hear horns, I hear, you know, yeah. I hear other guitar parts, whatever. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, and look where it's come. It's like it's the norm now. Everybody's recording at home. It's yeah, it's so easy, it's so easy now. Fantastic, and yeah. all the things that have become cost-effective now that a lot of us can have real nice stuff in home studios. It's like, oh my god, right? 
I think if I remember correctly, the when I bought the cassette uh, Tascam cassette player, the four track, I think that was like fifteen hundred dollars. Oh yeah, you know, back in the seventies. Yeah, and I mean that's a lot of money for that unit when you think about it. You know, I know, especially but back then. Those dollars for today. Yeah. 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 You, you Google at what it's worth today. It's like wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even the half-inch eight-track that I had in uh, 1985 or 86. Oh my God, that was super expensive stuff. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. And now you can use what a laptop or a desktop, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's free. Laptop. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the, the recording software—you can get free recording software. Uh, yep. Some of it's more expensive, of course, but you know, if you're starting out, you could get you know GarageBand or yeah a band in a box or something like that you know and people aren't listening back the way all of us enjoyed listening to different things you know like they start listening to just whatever's now and start writing music but when you go back and hear like some of the r&b folks some of the jazz folks some of the guitar heroes some of the bands that were cool some of the songs that were written by several members of each band together they add so much color and variety to your sound that you start to hear other synth sounds other keyboards of those times you know like one of my students just said recently oh my god your your album among the ruins with two true is just incredible like Uh, how did you get those synth sounds and it was just the synthesizers we were using in those days yeah Right. It was a Kurzweil and it was an ESQ one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just sound modules of things that everybody had in those days. And and they're trying to figure out how to make those sounds now because the software doesn't sound like those things. You have to right. buy like vintage packs of yeah. sound yeah. sources and libraries to get some of them. And some of them I just recently got. It's so nice to hear those sounds again. He's right. They had some character, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. In the seventies, the seventies was such a great time for music. I think, like you, you were saying, hmm. the variety of music in the seventies. You know, hmm. and when jazz fusion started happening, when jazz was fusing with rock and with funk and with soul, and you know, and, and you had rock and you had folk music, and you had it was just such a variety. You turn on the radio and you could hear so many different styles. You know, meters and Joni Mitchell and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and guess not. maybe you maybe you still can today, but I don't hear it. It seems like it's a little more homogenized now. And I think you know that's what the record labels always wanted. They wanted you to sound like somebody else. You know, mm. but it, it was there was so much experimental stuff happening back then. I think you know, well, well creativity. Just think of this the other day, though. It's like the labels and the publishers must have been burned a lot taking chances on unknown acts and bands and artists because why else would they keep not seeing something new and creative and giving it a shot, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I, as an artist, I think, how many times do they have to be told the new thing is not going to sound like something else. And this right. is why you're passing it up, but you're passing up something you're going to regret. And it's yeah. because they must've had equal or more downside to positive 
experiences with that or something. I, don't I guess if you were if you were a record label decision maker, especially back then, um, you're afraid to make a mistake. You know, yeah. if I sign this band and they flop, maybe I'll lose my job. You know. Yeah, there's always that, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's safer to just find someone that sounds just like another band that's been hit. You know. I really think, though, with enough exposure, the general public could get used to anything. Yeah. You just have to promote it. Yes. No. Yeah. It's in all the, about the hype. In the in the in the eighties, when even the major independent labels were breaking new artists, they'd spend a million dollars a year on advertising to make that person a household name, and it took six or seven years to break them. Yeah. And I would say, oh, have you heard of such and such? And my mom would say, no. You know, yeah. I said, I went to school with so-and-so. Did you hear that? You're like, you know, you must have heard of her. And she'll say no. And then all of a sudden she's on the cover of TV Guide. It's like, now, now you've heard of her. You know, like that, I always knew how big somebody got if yeah. my mom heard of her. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, we've gotten to the regular people now, you know, like <laughs> not just a special TV station or a special radio station. Yeah. You know, the 70s, I just love the keyboard sounds. Fender yeah. Rhodes and all the variations. Oh, of Rhodes, the yeah. Rhodes was great. T and the Wurlitzer and all the flavors of Wurlitzers and distorted Wurlitzers and overdrive. Oh, my God. Yeah. Love, yeah. love, love. Still great. use all those. Yeah. Some with a MIDI guitar. <laughs> right, yeah. Clavinet. Yeah. It is fun to play that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you want to make an album here sometime? Love to. Got it. Just yeah. Do a lot of it at home, and then we can mix it here, or yeah, bring the tracks. Yeah. Get people to play on it, whatever we can't do ourselves. Find somebody that can do it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, you've got your people. You know who you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of drums and stuff, you know. Right. Yeah. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah. Why not? Why not? We have the technology. Did I send you the uh, the clip of James Gadsden, drummer? Yes. I, I did get that to you, right? Wasn't yeah. that cool? Yeah. Is that something you're wanting to create a, a tune with that? Kind well, of I just I just love the way the guy plays, especially on that video. He's just totally into it his body's moving with the beat and he's you know he's in such a groove and a, in the pocket and it just sounds great love it it's amazing yeah, yeah. that was when he was with bill withers and uh, that particular song was what when i'm kissing my love i think yeah. that's the name of the song yeah it's just a great groove and when did you first hear that um i heard that I mean, you know, we're, we're familiar with the Bill Withers stuff because he was so popular back then. But I didn't realize, you know, I didn't know about James Gadsden until more recently. I'd, I had heard his name. Hmm. Oh, he played with a lot of different people. But, uh, yeah, not, not too long ago when I saw that. Everybody has such different references and favorites and things, though, like. Yeah. Sometimes you can mention all kinds of names I've never heard of. And then I hear different guitar players go off on tangents, mentioning people that I never listened to or even bands from any decade. Yeah. Seventies on that. I still, I couldn't hum one song of theirs or whatever. Right. And it's because I was so busy writing and yeah. 
doing my own thing, you know, it's like, so I go back and listen to stuff now and really enjoy a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to, uh, it also felt like when we were kids, we, we had almost a handle on being able to enjoy what was out there. Now it feels overwhelming what's out there. Do you yeah. find that? Um, you mean overwhelming because of all the different places that you can get it from like YouTube and, um, Spotify and radio. So much of it, any, and even any one place, there's just so much of it. I mean, aren't there like 70,000 songs or albums released every single day? <laughs> oh, really? Wow. It's like, it's enormous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody and his brother's got a record out. Yeah, it's so easy easy to release it now. <laughs> so hard to get paid, but it's, it's easy to release it, though. <laughs> I know. I just heard who was saying it. Uh, I think it was Richard Niles was saying the song Happy. Oh, yeah. Uh, happy. Yeah. Uh, made $250 off of streaming. 250 Yeah. Wow. With all those streams. That is really depressing. <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> and on that note, let's just close it off, folks. You're right, yeah, you're right. Like that, right? Wow. <laughs> I don't know why people value the sports more than the music. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see that change. Yeah. 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 I don't well, have I any. Like, I like sports too, but I, I, yeah, sports is outrageous with the, uh, <laughs> but they're paid it's incredible yeah you know that movie air is really good though i just watched that the other night that's awesome what is it called air it's the air? story of nike with michael jordan oh okay yeah it was on prime yeah we just watched uh, a documentary on remember the band fanny oh yeah i didn't know the men but i met june a bunch of years ago I didn't know them either. And, you know, I saw, I, I found them a while back on YouTube and they were playing a Marvin Gaye tune. And I said, they, they are incredible. I said, how come I don't know about them? Yeah. And this David, was from the, David, they were in the seventies. Favorite band. What's that? He's David Bowie's favorite band. Yes. They, they mentioned him a lot in the, in the documentary. You got to check it out. It's really interesting. Okay. It's on, uh, I think PBS actually. So it's yeah, very, very interesting. Before. Very yeah, interesting. I will. I think I'll watch it today. Yeah. Then, um, who's, oh, it was honoring uh, Patti Smith. I played at a rocker girl con uh, conference in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. A bunch of years ago. They were honoring uh, Patti Smith and Bonnie Raitt was there and June Millington was there. She teaches. She teaches a lot of things and gives a lot of young girls a chance, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they said they had started a arts institute right. type of thing or something out there. Yeah. Yeah, IMA, I think. That's great. Yeah, really. Getting people to volunteer and build the studio and give them uh, instruments and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, try to get people to volunteer to do that for me. Build me a studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get to see that special with, um, what band was it? I simply wouldn't have brought it up, Marie. Um, 
did you hear what you just said? You brought up something you couldn't remember who they said or who said it. You know, what the said or who said it. I simply wouldn't bring it up. It's a Lily Tomlin skit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy from Fish, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah, know I did, I did see that one. That was, that was good fun, too. wasn't it? That was, yeah. It's just like, you know, people hanging out like us. We just hang out, eat right. together, make music. Same thing. No big whoop. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> I love those stories where people say, well, there was just like one song made me millions of dollars. I lived off that one song for the rest of my life. I'm like, I want that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Let's be independently wealthy, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Take one hit. That would be good. That would be good. So this has been awesome. Yeah. It's always lovely to hang with you. Great, great to see you and talk to you. Thank you so much for doing this. I, I've always wanted, I mean, our conversations normally turn right. into fun things like this. So I thought, why don't we do one? Yeah, it's you know, a good idea. Yeah. On the camera. Yeah. And, uh, no, but yeah, this is really cool. And it would be fun it's, to do some more musical things. As Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. More original tunes from that January writing session that I haven't done yet. And there's more yeah. Yeah. old ones. There's some that we've done I haven't even released yet. So that Yeah. Be- should make a plan to come out and do some, like you said, do some recording there if, you, if you're into doing that, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Might be fun to do things live like that. Yeah. There's more space now, too, because I've been moving things around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Anything that you, you wanted to say or talk about that I forgot to ask? I think we covered a lot. <laughs> Nothing I can think of. Uh, except how much we love each other and respect each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. It's always great working with you and uh, playing music. Getting to create some bass lines for you that yeah. I never would have, like I said, I never would have come up with otherwise, you know. Right. It's a so. whole other form, a whole other um, puzzle to solve. Yeah. 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 That's why our brains get a kick out of it. Yes. Those birds must be at your house. You hear them? Yeah, I do. Yeah, they're right, right outside here. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little birdie told me. I think we have a sparrow's nest up in the the third floor. There's a light outside, and they always have a nest up there. Oh, nice. Yeah. My grandmother used to always say pastorelli meant little sparrows gently passing. Oh, cool. And every Italian teacher I ever had, when I'd say, it means, pastorelli means little sparrows gently passing, they go. That's and not what it means. No. <laughs> and then when I look at the coat of arms for Passarelli, it often has a sparrow in it. Oh, cool. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, she could be right. She must be right. I don't know why they're not, but or weren't. <laughs> it's a musical name, isn't it? Passarelli. Passarelli, yes. Very musical. <laughs> yeah. The whole Italian language is... Not like Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Mike. No problem. Thanks for asking. It's always fun. We're always talking music. <laughs> we love talking music. We love it. <laughs>
Take care. Alright, you too. Ciao. Creative Conversations with Lauren Passarelli. That was Mike Bishop. Check out the Mike Bishop group. You can find them on Instagram. Pick up the album Ideals of Fire. Stream it everywhere in the world that you are. And thanks so much for listening. You can watch us on YouTube, Creative Conversations, and my webpage, laurenpassarelli.com. El Pascatar has some shorts that you can check out. And there are some funny bits from these conversations with each person. Thank you so much.